I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast, Week 11 Preview Edition. I am your host, at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I am here once again to recap Thursday Night Football. And for once, it was a banger of a game. Break down all the headlines and news heading into Sunday, and finally help you set your lineups. Of course, this is simply too much for one human to handle. And so joining me, as always, is the important nonsense start, sit, savior, the wizard of the waiver place. It's at that FF nerd. It's Jason Draven. Jason, how's it going heading into week 11? It's going pretty good. I was actually pretty impressed with the game last night. I was kind of frustrated that it went so slow, and I'm really upset that my Kirk did not get a touchdown. Pretty frustrating. But all the other players seem to do pretty well, as expected. So I'm excited for football this week, and hopefully we get some better games going on. Yeah, like it was a little bit slower paced and not as much fantasy points, but it was still a hell of a game. Like I was really impressed. I really enjoyed it. And I also enjoy getting to record with you once again. So be sure to follow Jason on all the socials at that FF nerd for all your start sit questions and check out the important nonsense waiver wire show hosted by Jason to kick off every week on YouTube. But it's not just Jason joining me tonight, as it is my privilege to welcome back the legendary at Donald McJordan once again. It's Jordan McDonald. Jordan, how's life as we enter week 11 of the NFL season? Uh, life is always interesting, Jack. I enjoyed the game last night, even though the matchup was rife with fantasy possibilities, and we didn't really get too many. I had both Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson starting, and I was a little disappointed. They didn't do awful, but kind of lower to their standards. So disappointing in that sense, but it was a decent game. So I guess we we all win in the end. We do win, and we do win on the show because we get to have you back on the show. And the audience wins too, just getting to listen to you. So be sure to take some time and follow Jordan everywhere at Donald McJordan for great fantasy football takes, especially if you're excited to see him rage tweet the Packers-Colts game on Sunday. And you can follow along with all the works that Jordan, Jason, myself, and a cast of other superb people writing articles on the daily over on importantnonsense.com and on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NonsenseFF. With that, let's get to the show. I really thought it was going to happen. It honestly looked like for the second time in five days, we were going to see the Murray magic. We were going to witness yet another Hale Murray. Sadly, though, the Cardinals fall short. They fall to the Seattle Seahawks 28-21, to fall from first place to third place in the NFC West. The Seahawks, who were third entering the game, they're now first, and everything now comes down to the Rams versus Buccaneers. If the Rams win, it goes Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals in that order. If the Rams lose, Seattle will take the first place, Cardinals, and then Rams. Tyler Lockett was below 100% entering the night he was battling a knee sprain, but he still leads the way in Seattle by catching all nine of his targets for 67 yards and a tug. But not to be completely outdone, DK Metcalf catches three of five for 46 yards and a touchdown. Unfortunately, though, one of those incompletions was a drop that hit him right in the face, would have resulted in a short yard touchdown. And DK took to Twitter after the game to blame Russ for throwing a fastball. I don't know about that one, DK. I think you should have caught it. Yeah, that was some chin music for sure. 
Greg Olson suffered a ruptured plantar fasciitis. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but he will miss the remainder of the season. He, we've seen Olsen deal with a myriad of foot injuries throughout his career, and it's fair to wonder if this is the end for the former superstar on the field and a start of a burgeoning career in the Fox broadcast booth where he is destined to end up. I will say I have heard him do commentary before. He did that at one point while he was injured with one of those foot injuries. He is good. He is much better than Jason Witten. It's not all tight ends that are bad at commentary. I will give him that. I am excited about his career in the broadcasting booth. And so the Seattle Seahawks placed cornerback Quinton Dunbar on IR with a knee injury before the game. And so this worst secondary in the NFL gets worse. However, they were still solid enough last night and were able to keep get after the QB, kept Hawkins in check, keep Christian Kirk in check as well. So Kyler Murray, he sustains a sprained AC joint in his throwing arm, and he's not expected to miss any time but he still had 42 attempts during the game with the injury and he didn't look great doing it. Does complete a nice 69% of his passes, 269 yards and two tuds, but he also has his fewest rushing attempts on the year with five for 15 yards and just doesn't look right at that point. Hopefully going forward, he recovers. And instead, most of the rushing ended up being found by Kenyon Drake. He has, he left the backfield with 11 carries you know, only 29 yards on those rushes, but he also added four grabs to 31 yards, and, and all, all together it was 60 yards and a rushing score. Chase Edmonds got two carries for 13 yards, but he also caught four balls for 36 yards, and he had a receiving touchdown. Oh, it's just as confusing as ever in Arizona. That's just lovely to see. And the Seahawks did a really good job of shutting down DeAndre Hopkins, as we've talked about. Only five receptions for 51 yards on eight targets. Christian Kirk, four for 50 on six targets. Instead, the biggest surprise of the season with the resurrection of Larry Legend. Okay, maybe it wasn't that big of a story. Still, though, 10 targets, catches eight for 62 yards. Great job, Larry Fitzgerald. Also, shout out to my co-host on the Sunday show, at the real NWB, Nee Wallace Bruce, for his man, tight end Dan Arnold. He caught the other four yard touchdown. I doubt anyone was starting either of these defenses. You're pretty dumb if you did. So, how do we not be dumb? And what defenses do we play in week 11? Yeah. And I mean, you can't count them out, but it's the Kansas City Chiefs here coming off of a bye. Mahomes has gone 2 0 coming off of a bye. They are averaging over a touchdown in their victories off the bye with Andy Reid just being so intelligent and getting the Raiders again, who literally just beat them so bad the first time. I really think that they come back and really whip up on them. More importantly, over the past 10 years coming off the bye, they have only lost three times. Definitely looking good and covering the spread. So the other one is the Washington football team. It is just so consistent. I mean, they aren't giving up a lot of points in any area somehow they just keep this game really slow and I could really see them getting after Burrow and because his wide receivers are covered and Mixon is out, it's just going to be an ugly game. And I think it's really, really low scoring. And it just, I don't want any part of that. Most interesting thing about your point with the chiefs is Andy Reed is not a happy man right now. So there's reports that the Raiders, they did a victory lap around the stadium after their win last time. And Andy Reid apparently is really upset with that. So you could really see this team coming out and stomping the Raiders into the dirt. I think it's going to happen on Sunday. And with our defenses all set now, it is time to hear from our always wonderful boss, at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, and a word from our sponsors. 
And we are back. And the Raiders have placed seven defensive players in the reserve slash COVID list after DN Cleveland Farrell tested positive for COVID-19. Safety Jonathan Abram, slot defender LaMarcus Joyner, although he was activated today on Friday. Quarterback Isaiah Johnson, defensive end Arden Key, and D-tackles Jonathan Hankins, Malik Collins, and Kendall Vickers. They were all determined to be high-risk contacts. They've all been placed on the reserve slash COVID list, but they all will have a chance to be approved to play tomorrow. We'll find out on Saturday what's going on. 49ers D-line, Arik Armstead tested positive for COVID-19. Javon Kinlaw was ruled as a high-risk close contact. Both will be placed on the reserve slash COVID list during the team's bye, as will Trent Williams and Brandon Ayuk. We're not sure if they are close contacts or positive tests at this point. The Browns defensive end, Miles Garrett, and fullback Andy Janovich tested positive for COVID-19. Right tackle Jack Conklin was deemed a high-risk close contact. Both are All three are placed on the reserve slash COVID list. They will all miss. Could make a major change on the Browns' defense and how the offense runs, although there is a chance Conklin will be cleared to play on Saturday. Keep an eye on that because we know how Baker Mayfield is under pressure. The Eagles wide receiver J.J. Ortega-Whiteside tested positive for COVID-19, while defensive end Vinnie Curry and Corey Clement were deemed close contacts. All three will be out and all three will not play. John Hightower also missed Thursday as a close contact, but he will return. And finally, the Vikings placed fullback C.J. Ham on the reserve slash COVID list. And as always, our thoughts are with all those co- impacted by COVID-19. We hope for a speedy recovery for all. The Rams placed left tackle Andrew Whitworth on IR with a torn MCL-PCL. That will sideline him for six to eight weeks. Rams also placed... Safety Taylor Rapp on IR with a knee. Let's place Brian Poole on IR with a knee injury. The same day they cut cornerback Pierre Desir, who has not been claimed on waivers leave. So now the Jets become the worst secondary. And so I don't know anyone expects them to cover anyone. So shout out to Jalen Guyton. Drew Locke, he ha- also has a rib injury, pretty severe strain and bruising of the ribs. But unlike Breeze, he did avoid any fractures, which is great news. Been practicing on a limited basis Thursday and Friday. Says he's going to try and play. Officially gets a questionable tag out of the weekend. And if Locke can't suit up, the Broncos will likely run it back to Brett Rippon. And he will probably get owned by the Dolphins. But if Locke plays, he's definitely going to get owned by the Miami Dolphins. Gardner Minshew is not ready to return from the thumb injury, which means we're getting another game from Jake Shooting Luton. Andy Dalton was activated off the reserve COVID list and is now practicing. He is expected to start against the Vikings, but should he? Or should the Cowboys run it back with AAF superstar Double G, Garrett Gilbert? Yeah, I mean, Gilbert showed the talent, but when it comes to fantasy, Dalton was a better asset for sure. Having the focus on Cooper and really getting Schultz in there, I think coming off the bye, this Hal team hopefully comes together and starts firing on all cylinders with Zeke even getting some usage, hopefully getting back on track. Let's go. Sam Darnold is doubtful to play in Week 11 against the Chargers, which means we will once again see the elite Joe Flacco. Eh, he'll be fine. But I think this actually means that this game's going to be close. I am super frustrated because if the Jets win this, I'm just going to be yelling and screaming and getting my mind blown because I I don't understand how the Chargers keep blowing Jason, leads. <laughs> J- Jason, Jason, I'm I'm sorry, buddy, but I have some bad news. It's it's the Chargers. They're they're gonna they're gonna blow it. The Jet. They're gonna end a winless season yet again. I'm sorry, buddy. It's gonna happen. It's going to just be like the Browns. Oy. A one in 15 season from the Jets with the one win coming against the Chargers. And I'm sorry, you just have to accept it. Moving on, though, Nick Foles' glute slash hip injury isn't as bad as the Bears initially feared. 
big Richard Nick Foles is day-to-day. But with Chicago on a bye, there's hope he will return to start in Week 12 against the Packers. If not, Tyler Bray would be the assumed starter. And if that happens, we can't start any Bears in Week 11 or Week 12. That would be impossible. Good news, though, Jimmy Garoppolo has shed his walking boot. He will not return before December. However, Kyle Shanahan has made it very clear they are not shutting Jimmy G down. Also said on Tuesday that Jimmy G is going to return as team starter in 2021. Shanahan says he's hopeful that Debo Samuel, Raheem Oster, and Tevin Coleman will return to the 49ers after the bye as well and be good to go for week 12. It'll be nice to help whoever is the starting quarterback at that point. We'll be starting Mostair. I don't think we'll be starting anyone else on that offense at that point. Do we think this is just coach speak? Do we expect Jimmy G to come back this season at all? Or are we looking to 2021 and we think that he's the starter there? Or are we just waiting for things to change as soon as Matt Ryan becomes available? Kyle Shanahan becomes a wolf with those cartoon hard eyes. I would love to see Matt Ryan in San Francisco. I really would with reuniting with Kyle Shanahan, who was his offensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons when he won the MVP, as we all know. Let's forget about what happened in the Super Bowl. But still, I, I think that him throwing to Debo and Brendan Ayuk with all those running backs, I think that Matt Ryan could automatically be a top 10 quarterback in fantasy, even pushing top five. I, and I wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah, it would be interesting, but I, I... – I just want to see who they end up getting because I don't think that Jimmy is going to be their answer moving forward at all. Moving forward into running back, Derek Henry, of course he's perfect. He is just a beautiful physical specimen. However, he will be without starting left guard Roger Saffold. He's out with an ankle injury. Titan center Ben Jones is also out. Like, ah, Titan center Ben Jones is also likely out with a knee injury. He hasn't practiced at all this week. And we're just waiting for that tag to become official. And we already know that the Titans lost left tackle Taylor Luan. So they're going to be missing three starters on the offensive line. But at the same time, I don't think the Ravens defense is ready for round two with Derrick Henry. They're going to be missing their top two interior defensive linemen, Clayus Campbell and Brandon Williams. So I think we may be looking at another. I know Earl Thomas is gone, but we may be looking at another one of those moments against the Ravens. Yeah, too bad Earl Thomas not there to be the lead blocker for Henry. But I digress. Matt Breida practiced in full Wednesday and Thursday, so we should see his return on Sunday. But where does he fit in now? Is Solomon Ahmed the new Gaskin while he's out? And is that lead Breida with to see his usual four carries game? Or will Breida cut into Ahmed's work workload? Well, maybe we will see or hear about this later. I'm not quite sure, but I do expect Breida to get some pass catching work and maybe some touches. We'll see. Alvin Kamara missed Thursday's practice with a foot injury after being limited on Wednesday. They're saying not to worry, though. The foot's been bugging him for a while now. He's been playing through it anyways. He's been looking great anyways. And he returned full go on Friday. So I think we should believe them. And of course, the Falcons are going to need to run him a lot with Drew Brees out against the Falcons. Yeah, him and Murray are definitely interesting with the fact that, you know, like I said, I think Taysom ends up running the Wildcat and you see like a tempo T. Tim Tebow-esque kind of an offense moving forward. And so with that in mind, I think both could be really decent plays this week. DeAndre Swift practiced in full on Wednesday. There was no issues there. And then on Thursday, all of a sudden, he pops up with a concussion. And so no one is sure when he suffered the concussion. But because it happened on Thursday, there's now no chance he's cleared in time for the weekend. He is out. Instead, we get the Adrian Peterson show once again. Just after DeAndre Swift establishes himself as a RB1 in the NFL, it breaks my heart, guys. Yeah, I mean, you'll still see some carry on Johnson getting some catches, but it's definitely going to be AP running that show for sure. 
James Robinson showed up on the injury report with a shoulder after getting limited practice on Wednesday. Not in any jeopardy to miss any time. He came back full go. And it's, this is only notable because it's the first time this season he's popped up on the injury report at all, which is super impressive for a UDFA rookie running back playing the most injury-prone position in the NFL. Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Darrell Williams missed Thursday due to illness, but they both return Friday and will play Sunday. Duke Johnson did not practice on Wednesday with an illness, but he did return Thursday. So remember, the NFL is cracking down on any illness of any kind, but he will play against the Patriots. What is interesting, though, is that Duke was sort of a bust against the Browns in the terrible weather, although he did play 95% of the snaps and handled 100% of the Texans' carries. Backup, CJ Proceis came in and ran two routes, so he's still around. And Buddy Howell played one snap as a run blocker, but other than that, Guess it's going to be the Duke Johnson show until our friend David Johnson returns. Yeah, and I think he ends up being a good fantasy play this week. I mean, the Patriots are likely going to focus on Fuller and try to shut down Cooks. With a revenge game in mind, I think Duke ends up being an open pass catcher who just get, shows off in the running area. And that O-line or D-line hasn't been great, so I could really see him doing some great work there. And Mark Ingram did not participate Thursday as he continues to work his way back from the high ankle sprain. But he also missed last Thursday and suited up against the Patriots. And if he plays, this backfield is just a mess. So J.K. Dobbins leads away with 29 snaps, 20 routes run, only five carries. That's heartbreaking. Ingram, he plays 17 snaps. He gets five carries, runs just nine routes. And then Gus Edwards, he leads the way with seven carries and six has six routes on only 15 snaps. And of course, Justice Hill just has to mix in there as well, runs four routes, and every one of them caught a pass. So now we've got a literal four-headed monster in this backfield, which is just the worst thing possible for fantasy football. One of the other worst things possible for fantasy football, Chris McCaffrey has been ruled out with a shoulder injury. I know Mike Davis burned people against the Bucks last week, but I'm absolutely going back to the Mike Davis well against the Lions. He's going to burn them. Mixon, he's still not practicing. Now Zach Taylor, his head coach, is refusing to comment on if he'll be back this season at all. I don't like speculating on injuries, but wondering if this is a case of our old enemy, Liz Frank, who we know visited Cam Newton last year. He tried to rehab it, and it didn't work. Unfortunately, Jordan Howard was waived by the Dolphins and was not claimed, but he did later sign to the Philadelphia Eagles practice squad. He can't pass, he can't pass protocols in time in order to play this Sunday. So he'll have to beat out Corey Clement for the job. Howard did see some success with the Eagles last year. And as the only Jordan Howard fan in the entire universe, I am personally happy for him. The only Jordan Howard fan in the entire universe. Chris Thompson was placed on IR with a back injury, which frees up more targets for the next Arian Foster, James Robinson. Jim Michael Hasty was also placed on IR with a broken collarbone, which will likely end his 2020 season. Moving into wide receivers, Sammy Watkins will make his return in Week 11 against the Raiders. Sammy Pratt returned to practice in full Wednesday after being out and suffering the severe hamstring strain the last time KC faced the Raiders. In fact, in that game, Watkins caught both of his targets, 24 yards, and scored a touchdown. So look for Sammy to come back and put up a 25.3 this week. He was limited Thursday and Friday, but it sounds like that's just a rep management thing. They don't want to overwork him heading back into this big matchup. Monte Adams, he missed Thursday's practice after being limited with an ankle injury on Wednesday. And that was super scary, knowing how Green Bay likes to hold players out that aren't 100%. But then Friday comes around, full go, no need to worry about that. Packers also activated Alan Lazard from the injured reserve after core muscle surgery. 
and again, they are known as one of the more careful training staffs in the league. It sounds like he could have come back all the way back in week nine if they had the inclination to. Instead, they rest them. They get Ws against the 49ers and the Jaguars. He now returns to full strength to aid Aaron Rodgers on his MVP revenge tour. Only problem, though, this completely kills the auxiliary options, MVS and Big Bobby Tunyon. AJ Brown missed Thursday as per usual, but it's full go for the weekend and should have a rebound from the bout of the dropsies he came down with against the Colts. Adam Humphreys is out once again after suffering concussion in week eight. I heard that smile in your voice talking about the drops he had against the Colts. I, I can hear that. You enjoyed that. I did. Kenny, Kenny Galladay returned to practice Wednesday after missing time with the hip. However, he's not healthy enough to play at this point. Will not give it a go this weekend. Danny Amendola has also didn't practice this week with a hip injury. Being ruled out as well. Marvin Jones got Wednesday off with a knee, but it sounds like that was more of a maintenance day. So it'll be the bad Marvin, Marvin Jones, and the good Marvin, Marvin Hall, leading the way for the Detroit Lions. And hallelujah, Calvin Ridley will make his return from a foot injury after missing week 10. And let's just hope that the Falcons can take advantage of the mess at Saints quarterback position, whatever you want to call that, and put up a ton of points through the air on the Saints because you know they're not running the ball on them. Sticking with the Alabama wide receivers, Jerry Judy was limited Wednesday, Thursday with an ankle injury. Played through it against the Raiders, though. Caught four of eight targets for 68 yards with zero drops. So four incompletions, all because Drew Locke stinks. So I'm still playing Judy with confidence, though. Spends a fair amount of time in the slot. Gets to avoid Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. And instead gets Nick Needham. So you have to love that. T. Higgins did not practice on Thursday with an illness. And remember, as I said, the NFL is cracking down on all illnesses in 2020, even if it's not COVID. They'll send you home if you have any symptoms, although he did return Friday and is on track to play this Sunday. Sean Perriman was limited Wednesday with a shoulder. Looks like he's going to play, which is great. That way he gets the Casey Hayward shadow, which means Crowder and Mims. They get freed up to eat. Unfortunately, it will be Flacco flinging it. Yeah, and Mims has a good matchup. I am a little nervous, though, because Harris was back at practice, so if he goes, that could be an interesting back and forth. Oh, no. Why, why would you tell me that? I didn't know that. He's back? He, oh, Harris is so good. That's so sad. So sad, Jason. Why would you break my heart like that? This, this is happy times for Denzel Mims. Anyways, Isaiah Wright, illness, and Dontrell Edmund hamstring are questionable heading into the weekend, which could lead to Steven Simpson in more playing time. I do like that. That makes me a little bit happier. Nikhil Harry also popped up on the injury report Friday with a shoulder. He's questionable to play and undoubtedly a bust. Jacoby Myers, Myers wide receiver one. LaVisca Chanel didn't practice at all this week. He's out with a hamstring once again. John Brown, he also tweaked his ankle against the Cardinals last week. His status is in doubt. Thankfully, though, the Bills are on bye, but it is something to keep an eye on in Week 12 when the Bills take on the Chargers. Moving into our tight ends, though, Noah Fant, he's returned to Broncos practice Thursday after suffering a rib injury, and head coach Vic Fangio is confident he's going to play, officially questionable heading into the weekend, but if Noah Fant's playing, you got to play him. Jack Doyle returned to Colts practice on Thursday from the concussion he suffered in Week 9, and it was a full go Friday. So that will further murky the tight end in tight end room in the, for the Colts. He is officially questionable. Mo Ali Cox was limited Wednesday and Thursday with a knee injury. So we'll see what what are we going to get on on Sunday? Who knows? Irv Smith Jr. was limited for practice all week with a groin injury, but that's a great sign because he didn't practice all last week and missed Monday Night Football. He's officially questionable against the Cowboys. 
And Zach Ertz, he's been designated to return from injured reserve with a high ankle. The team now has 21 days for him to return to practice, and he won't return to the game Sunday against the Browns, though, however. But look for that for the future for you, Zach Ertz. Truthers who still believe he's a top three tight end. Sorry you're wrong, but go ahead. Keep believing that. Moving on to kickers, Giants signed Graham Gano to a three-year, $14 million contract on Sunday and was placed on the reserve slash COVID list on Tuesday. He's going to self-isolate through the bye. Rams, however, have ex- are expected to sign former Buccaneers kicker Matt Gay after Kai Forbath was placed on IR with an ankle injury. So Gay is going to complete with Austin McGinnis for the job, but he's not going to be able to join the team until Saturday. So I imagine it's going to be McGinnis kicking this weekend. Can't play either of them either way, though. There's just too much uncertainty. So just to finish up with the kickers for the day, Jason, who are we looking at if we're in trouble this week, if we were playing Kai Forbath last week? Yeah, I mean, I'm starting off with Chase McLaughlin. You know, Jacksonville finally got a kicker, and he had a good first game. This team moves the ball. We'll see. Hopefully, they'll do it this week. I'm very kind of nervous. But in any case, he should have a double-digit day again because, man, he has quite the leg on him. The other is Kiami Fairbairn. I think the Texans will also be able to move the ball. Patriots are going to try and keep it low scoring because that's what they like to do. And so Texas will likely have to settle for a field goal because they're a huge hot mess on offense. So those are my two options for this week as a kicker. Love the McLaughlin take. I said it last week. He is now at least a top 10 kicker for the rest of the season. The Jaguars love to kick field goals because they're not good enough to get into the end zone. But I do encourage you to take a peek, see if Rodrigo Blankenship, Young Hue Koo, Daniel Carlson, one of those guys are somehow just sitting on your waivers. I got Matt Prater in a league. Somehow he was just sitting there because absolutely like you can just find these guys. because Your league mates are bad at your plays. I don't know. And with that, anyways, though, we will kick it to a word from our sponsor. Our friends at monkey knife fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right. And there are three ways for you to play stat shootout, rapid fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup. I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. 
so many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. And we are back. And just before I hand over total control of the show, just a reminder, we will be starting Trust or Bust with quarterbacks, with Trust being QBs currently ranked outside the top 12 of the Fantasy Pros Expert Consensus Ranking and rostered in under 50% of leagues. Our busts, on the other hand, are QBs ranked inside the top 12 for the ECR that we believe will miss expectations. And with that, it's time for Trust or Bust with the Nerd. Thanks for that lovely intro. But we'll start off with the quarterbacks. Tua Tagovailoa, I really struggled with him this week. I mean, this team just gets up so quickly. Their defense is so good. They don't really have to throw the ball, which makes me kind of nervous. I'm really hoping that he gets over 200 yards, two touchdowns, to give him a solid this week this week because they get the Denver defense, who gives up 24.9 fantasy points to quarterback. Hoping that Locke plays and will force Tua to have to throw instead of turning it over, I'm hoping. Hopefully Tua will be a solid play this week for you. Yeah, I'm not on. I'm not as high on Tua, but for the same reason, I just don't think he'll be asked to do very much, you know. And I don't. I only think he'll need to be a game manager and and not overthrow the ball, especially against a Denver's defense that's been disappointing. That's just average at best, and it's been a small sample size. But Tua has yet to throw over 28 attempts in any of his starts, and he's playing another team where they're projected to win, and that may not result in an increase. So I'm a little hesitant for Tua. Facts don't care about your feelings. And unfortunately, my feelings say I want Tua on all of my rosters. I want him starting because he's just such a good guy. He's such a good story. I love him. And I'm confident that he is good enough to expose a brutal Broncos team. However, the facts say we probably can't start him yet because this Dolphins defense is just so good. They're going to destroy Drew Locke. They're probably going to have two touchdowns, one from the defense, one from special teams. So at that point, that's 14 points, and now Tua can just sit back and do nothing. So unfortunately, as much as my heart wants to play Tua Tugavaloa this week, I just can't do it. Yeah, and I get that. So this is a player I'm actually really in on, and it's Alex Smith. In his two starts, he's put over 300 yards per game. I think in a plus matchup, he's able to finally find the end zone and throw more touchdowns, likely with McLaurin and Thomas in the passing game. Both finding the end zone, I'm hoping. I'm tired of Thomas not getting these touchdowns. It's really annoying. Last week, he threw the ball 55 times. And I could see him potentially getting up that high again this week against the Bengals defense that allows 26 fans points per game to the quarterback. I don't really root for the Washington football team, but I'm really happy to see Alex Smith back in the starting position. And I think he'll get better and better as he starts getting more more reps as the starting quarterback. And you're right, the Bengals' defense isn't scaring anybody and certainly won't scare Alex Smith, who is on a little bit of a roll here. So he could be a sneaky good start if you need a bi-week filler. The team is so bad, and that means the volume's going to be there. And because he's going to have to throw so much, he's going to have to throw touchdowns at some point. You can't keep having 300-yard pass games with one or no touchdowns. That's just not possible. That's not how math works. So we're going to see some positive regression in the TD column and potentially some big games from Smith on the back 
of the F1 McLaurin. Yeah, I really like Terry. So we'll hopefully see that Smith can continue to build that connection. As well, I mean, McKissick continues to see a ton of targets, so he should be able to spread the ball around and make him really effective this week. However, moving into bust, it's Deshaun Watson. I mean, I feel like this is a tempo game. Watson will really struggle against a tough Pats defense, and the Patriots are going to try and take away Fuller. I could even see them really trying to revenge, stop Cooks. They know how he plays. They'll, they're going to try and keep him. I am just worried that Watson will end up turning it over. With Cam and Harris running a ton, Myers keeping the field open with the passing game, and the weakness of Houston being its complete defense, Watson may be forced to do too much, and this is going to cause some issues and probably some turnovers. The Patriots' defense gives up the second-fewest points at 16.2 fantasy points to quarterbacks. Just saying. Yeah, I completely agree with this. I think that the Patriots are going to expose the Texans run defense and they'll either milk the clock or they're going to score and get up ahead. I mean, Watson, the Texans see, will seemingly be behind. So there, there is a chance that he can, you know, make up those points, but there's also that chance for turnovers, as he said. And let's be yeah, honest, guys, I, great rushing floor, everything. I just, I don't trust it. I I'm worried that this game, he actually ends up handing the ball off more to Harris, who has really asserted himself into this offense. Houston gives a lot of points to the quarterback position, but at the same point, Newton really hasn't had to throw at all. I, it's just been atrocious for him. So it hasn't looked good. He should have a decent day because, you know, it's the rushing TDs from Harris that will take, hopefully, I'm hoping it goes to Harris. I'm just tired of them not using him and him getting all this work and then not scoring any touchdowns. It's so frustrating because he is, the most talented running back on that team. He's very consistent and giving going against a team that gives up the third most points to quarterbacks along 28.9 fantasy points. He, I get it. it. It's so weird. I just can't trust him. And the fact that it, it's just going to be running game and low scoring. I don't want it. It sounded like you're almost convincing yourself, but I completely disagree with this one. I, Newton started, has started to look a little bit better lately. And I know the passing numbers are still not where you want them to be. He still possesses that elite rushing four that you can't disregard. And considering the Texans have the worst rush defense in the league, it, it just seems like a no-brainer. I just feel like he's just will put up an easy 20 points for your team. Yeah, I don't have a strong take on Watson one way or the other. You know, he's been forced to be Superman constantly. It's been great for fantasy, but on the other hand, that can lead to disastrous days because you're trying to do too much. On the other hand, though, the real Superman, Cam Newton, completely disagree. I am starting him in every lineup this week. Texans gave up 230 rushing yards to the Browns. They can't stop Cam Newton on the ground at all. I agree with you, Derek. Damian Harris is going to eat, but Cam is too. And the other problem is they don't have anyone who can cover Jacoby Myers either. Another fun fact, Cam hasn't actually been as bad as you claim to think he is. Completed 77% of his over the past two weeks that leads all quarterbacks you can throw in Jacoby Myers in there he's been completing 100% of his passes with that touchdown pass to Rex Burkhead last week well I'm also playing because again the tech's so bad against the run so I am playing all three of these running backs and by running backs I'm including Cam in that I'm including Damian Harris and I'm including Rex Burkhead and then Jacoby Myers I'm also playing because they can't shut down any of these players at all as we move forward into running back, just a reminder that our trusts are running backs who are outside the top 24 in the ECR, so an RB3 or lower, that we are trusting in our lineups for week nine. 
and our busts are players inside the top 24 that we think will miss expectations. Yep, and I'm going to do it. It's Kalen Bellage. Joshua Kelly has him produ- producing. Bellage seemed to have really filled a role, and I may end up being more nervous if Justin Jackson is back. But even then, I mean, Bellage has really shown to be the between the tackles guy. He's been really physical, been super impressive to watch. I've surprised at how good he's actually looked considering he came from the Dolphins and the Jets, who both made him look pretty average at best. But he's getting good yards, and over the past two weeks, he's averaging 15.8 fantasy points. This makes him RB12 over the past two weeks. He also is going up against a team that allows 22.5 fantasy points per game to the ring back position. Come on, you have to like this one. Jason, why are you doing this to yourself? I don't think anybody needs Austin Eckler back on their team more than you do. Like, my goodness, I'm not even going to respond to this. You, I don't need to say what I need to say. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I will say exactly what you're thinking. Jason, you disgust me. I cannot, in good conscience, recommend Kalen Balazs to anyone, not even my enemies. He shockingly did crack 100 yards last week, but just 6.8 yards per reception. That's bad for a running back. That's bad for anyone. 3.8 yards a carry. That's terrible. Only 4.4 yards a touch. And if Anthony Lynn has any sense, he will change the game plan from the one last week because that caused them to lose massively because Kalen Balazs is the worst running back in NFL history. And I'm not exaggerating. Quite literally, his season with the Miami Dolphins last year was the worst running back yards per carry in the history of the NFL. That's how bad he was. No, we are not playing Kalen Balazs. You guys can say that all you want. Lynn is a run-first coach. So with that in mind, it has to be Kalen Balazs. He's going to get the touches. And you see 3.8 is bad, but you saw Kenyon Drake do 2.9 yesterday and yet somehow had a great day. It's annoying. So I get it that you're frustrated, but you have to play him. The next guy you really have to play is Salvan Ahmed. I know. I can't stop myself here. He had a great first true start last last week put up 16 fantasy points and was rb14 over the past two weeks he is rb19 both are decent numbers in a short span in a plus matchup to should be able to distribute again and ahmed should get some good work the broncos give up 24.6 fantasy points per game to the running back position so just keep that in mind because he should be a decent play all right, you rebounded a little bit here. I do like Ahmed, and we, we discussed this earlier in the show that he seems to have assumed the Miles Gaskin role, which has a lot of fancy value, and hopefully Matt Breida doesn't steal too many touches away from him. And But I don't really think it'll be enough to worry about. But also, again, we have to do this. Let's pour one out for our boy, Jordan Howard, as he and his 1.2 yards per carry this, this season has finally departed the team. So there are more opportunities for goal line work. I will pour one out, but Jordan Howard is not and will never be my boy. But I do agree. So he, good coaches make good decisions, and bad coaches make bad decisions. That's why Anthony Lynn, a bad coach, is playing Kalen Balazs so much. And that's why a good coach, like Brian Flores in Miami, so he gets Miles Gaskin. He's, he's great. He's been super productive for him. Ah, oh, dang, he gets hurt. Who can we sign? Oh, wait, there's this just his backup from the University of Washington. We can just get him for free off the practice squad of someone else. Okay, let's do that. Oh, wow. Shocker. He's doing exactly what Miles Gaskin did. So, yeah, I am all in on Salvin Ahmed until Miles Gaskin is back. One for one, they're pretty much the same player. Yeah, so we'll move into bus here. And I'm starting off with Josh Jacobs. Like we said earlier, Chiefs are getting 
a huge, they got completely confused the first game, got taken off guard in the first meeting. I doubt the Chiefs allow this to happen again. Coming off of a bye, Andy Reid being pissed. He was saved last time with two scoring touchdowns. Wow, huge game for him. End up because of the fact that, oh wait, they were up pretty much the entirety of the game, which is the only time that the Raiders seem to use Josh Jacobs. Now, going to say, in games where the Raiders struggle, Jacobs really hurts. He averages three yards per carry. Ouch. In the last game he had against the Chiefs, 22 carries, 477 yards. Not great. They're middle-of-the-road defense, but they're coming off the bye, and I think they're pissed. So Chiefs give up 22.5 fantasy points per game, and Jacobs will need to score to be relevant. On top of that, they also have Booker, who looks like an explosive running back, which is completely amazing and blows me away every time. So with that in mind, I'm worried about Jacobs. Yeah, and plus, if any of the Raiders' defense missed this game due to COVID, even some of them, that provides more of opportunity for Kansas City to score, which means that Las Vegas will be playing from behind, and that will ultimately limit Jacobs' production. And I agree, Jason. This weird timeshare with Devontae Booker is starting to concern me. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little worried as, as a Josh Jacobs owner that this is not looking good for the future. I'm not worried because in the games Booker's done something, Jacobs also has done something, but I am very worried for this weekend about his role because he is going to need to score to be relevant. The Raiders know it has to be a track meet with KC. That's the only way they can beat him, which means they can't run the ball, which means Jacobs is going to get like 12-ish carries, and he's going to need to find the end zone to have any fantasy production. Yeah, and speaking of needing to find the end zone, the next guy is Todd Gurley, who has been the most touchdown dependent running back all season, driving me insane, somehow able to find the end zone every week. I don't think that happens this week as he gets the Saints. They have been great against the run. Gurley has not looked good, and Brian Hill actually has. He's looked more explosive and been the overall better back. However, Gurley continues to get all of the red zone looks, and it is driving me insane. If he finds the end zone, that'll be the only thing that really saves him. I do not think he has a chance against his awesome Saints run D. Wow, the Saints have allowed the second fewest points to running back position, 14.3 fantasy points per game. And they've only allowed one running back touchdown on the year. Yeah, not trusting Todd Gurley this week at all. You guys want to hear some pretty gross stats? So in the last four games, he is averaging less than three yards per carry. And that is while still averaging 20 carries in those games, in each of those games. Ugh. Not good production at all. So, like you said, you have to hope that he gets into an end zone, they get to the goal line, he can punch one in. But even that might not even be enough. That that is just sad. That is sad and embarrassing. So, let's move on to receivers because I don't want to talk about that anymore. Quick reminder, our trusted wide receiver, players that rank outside the top 36, so a wide receiver four or lower in the ECR that we can start this week. And our busted receiver are inside the top 36 that we are expecting to miss expectations. Yep, and so we're starting with Jalen Rager. He saw his most targets last week and averaged 11.8 yards per reception. He has a chance to do well in a decent matchup. If Wentz actually has more time because his O-line is getting healthy, he can pass it deep. He has an arm on him, all right? Rager has looked good. Fulcom will likely get the wide receiver one coverage. And, you know, Ward has been decent against wide receiver ones. So 
with that, he'll likely struggle, making Rager the more wide open option. The Browns defense also gives up 37.9 fantasy points to the wide receiver position, making him a huge upside play this week. Yeah, and the 37.9 fantasy points is definitely in the top five. So Jalen Rager does have value in this game. So let's hope that this can finally be the game where he breaks out because he doesn't have a game this season where he has over four catches. And I know he's been hurt, but we had a lot of expectations uh, as a first rounder coming out of the draft. So I'm praying that it, that it happens. So let's all hope it happens. <laughs> yeah. And I'm speaking of players that will hopefully break out. You saw it last week. Michael Pittman Jr. Had his breakout game. He has a talent. And I called it two weeks ago that he was going to have a great game on the waivers. I had him all ready for you guys. Low ownership. I think he should have another good week because, oh, wait, Philip Rivers is going to have to throw this week. He is the wide receiver on the one on the team. Don't care what you guys say. It could, Every defense is going to be focusing on Hilton, but Hilton is not getting any targets. So while Jair Alexander is probably going to be on Hilton, leaving Pittman open is a huge mistake. He's such a gadget play. He's able to do a lot of different things and has some speed. Hines will likely continue to lead the way as a target machine, driving me insane and making Pittman a little less effective, especially since the Packers really struggle against running backs, our pass catchers. Ugh, don't like that. But Colts are going to rely on their defense again, and this is going to be an ugly game. Packers give up 30.5 fantasy points to the wide receiver. So I think since Pittman's really the only option, he's going to get a majority of those points, making him a decent play this week. You know what, Jason? I am loving this rookie love. The 2020 rookie class is absolutely fantastic. I am full send on Jalen Rager now for the rest of the season. This week, I'm probably about 75% send on Michael Pittman, and it's only because I think the Packers are smart. Realize that Pittman is a clear alpha there. Jair Alexander is returning. He's probably going to match up on him, but I still think that Rivers is going to feed him anyways. That's what Rivers does. He just feeds his guys that he's in love with. So even though he's going to be matched up with one of the best corners in the league, he's probably going to get double-digit targets, and all he needs is three or four of those to be complete, and it's a big day from Pittman because he is such an explosive playmaker down the field. So it's a bold call, but I really like this one. Yeah, I have to agree with Jack. I'm pretty sure that the Packers will put Jair on Michael Pittman for most of this game, and now that he is deemed active, it, it does worry me. So. We'll see. I don't know if he'll see the coverage. Maybe he'll Rivers will look elsewhere at other options like Pascal, or maybe he'll just rely on old trustful, trustful Neheim Hines. But rest of the season, I think Michael Michael Pittman Jr. could be a nice addition to your team heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I get you guys don't really like it because of Jair, but I I really think that he ends up on Hilton because that is the quote-unquote star of that team. I know that it's an ugly play. So speaking of ugly plays, we'll move into a bus here with Mike Evans. He will get the Jalen Ramsey treatment. Ramsey usually does a good job against Evans. And I think that the fact that Aaron Darnold is going to get into the backfield and hit Brady often, make sure he knows he's there. I don't think that Evans has that success. It also does not help that Brady now has a plethora of weapons. I mean, he has Evans, he has Godwin, he has AB, he has Gronk, he has all these players that he can easily pass it off to, making sure that they just kill each other's values. Of everybody, I'm the most excited about Godwin this week for this offense. 
I hate this as somebody with a lot of Mike Evans stock, but you're absolutely right. I I don't want my fantasy matchup coming down to Mike Evans on Monday night, especially in the tough situation he'll be placed in. So I'm going to fade as well. And as a whole, the Rams are giving up the least amount of fantasy points to opposing wide receivers as well. And I know a lot of that has to do with Ramsey. So yeah, if you're going for a Bucks receiver, don't make it Evans. I just think there's zero ceiling to all of the Buccaneers wide receivers as well. They all cannibalize each other. They're all going to be solid, won't be spectacular from anyone. And if you drafted Mike Evans, you draft him because, yeah, you're okay with taking a zero because you know he has a 30-point ceiling. And that just doesn't exist in this offense anymore, period. And that's without even talking about Jalen Ramsey being the matchup this week. Yeah, and like you guys said, it's a great option. I just – that – offense is so explosive it's hard to decide who it's going to be and so speaking of offensive that really just have too many options i'm worried about robert woods this week what Woods has been seeing less targets every week and he gets good coverage i mean the Tampa bay bucks are not a slouch when it comes to their defense with reynolds really emerging here it's been driving crazy this game is more of a cup game in my mind i think that he gets a good option if it's not cup, it's probably going to be Higby, which is even more terrifying, really reducing the value of all the wide receiver options here. So with that as in mind, I think Woods really suffers in another just ugly game. I try to fade pretty much everybody because you don't know who it's going to be. I could easily see Brady and Goff turning the ball over. Not a huge fan of that. And running backs struggling on both teams because Jones doesn't look good. They won't commit to Fournette. And you don't know if it's going to be Akers, Henderson, Brown, you never know. So it's just an ugly option. But again, I really think that the slot guys are the options that you want this week when it comes to either team. So I have a few things that I want to say. First of all, I don't like the Higby, uh, the Higby thing. You know, let's let's not try and make Tyler Higby a thing because usually when you want it to be a thing, it doesn't happen. And two, as much as I hate to admit it, and you guys are going to hate to hear this, Ronald Jones, he looked. Decent last last game. I mean, he had the 98-yard run. Uh, you could say that propped up his score, but the fact that they're not playing for net really terrifies me, but whatever. So we're talking about another wide receiver on a Monday night. I do feel a little bit better about Woods. I'm, I'd say I'm neutral. I don't feel great, but I don't feel bad about it. But I have no faith whatsoever for any of the Rams running backs going forward, and especially in this game. So I think Goff will have to throw more, and that just helps everybody involved. It was concerned that Woods didn't perform well in a seemingly plus matchup versus the Seahawks. And there starts to see a downward tread, but I still have faith in Bobby Trees. That brings us to tight end where our trust are players outside of the top 12 that are rostered in under 50% of leagues that we like this week. And our busts are players that are ranked inside the top 12 on Fantasy Pro's expert consensus rankings that we believe will miss expectations. And I'm sorry to say, but I did break the law. I didn't let Jason do the, his job to the fullest extent. I auto-filled my own pick at tight end this week. I hope you agree with, with my pick for trust, but let's see what he has to say. Yeah, unfortunately, Jack is a smarty pants. Had to go knowing that the target share is too good to match. Pass up in Logan Thomas. I don't understand why the experts hate him so much. Because, you know, we clearly have a love for him at important nonsense. I mean, tight end is such a wasteland. Hard to decide who's going to be the best play each week. With that in mind, I always follow the targets and the opportunities, which Logan Thomas has. So with Smith likely throwing over 30 times, Thomas should get good targets. And we're really hoping he finds the end zone. Easily makes him a top 12 tight end this week. Over the past two weeks with Smith, he is the tight end number 12. Perfect. Let's go. And the Bengals give up 
oh wait, the most points to the tight end position at 23.7 fantasy points. Granted, I think that is a lot for Logan Thomas to have to deal with, but he could easily be in that 12 to 15 point range, and that's pretty awesome for a tight end at this point. So every week before the show, I always know that one thing's going to happen, and it's going to be Logan Thomas as a trust for Jason. And uh, so far, I've been right. So, But I will give you credit, Jason. This this is a smart pick just because he, he does have that target share. He put up a solid, a solid 10.6 last week. So yeah, the matchup looks good. Yep, so moving on to the next one. It's Trey Burton. Shocker, he's back as well. Last week, Burton barely missed out on a touchdown. That ended up going to Hines. Quite frustrating. He is averaging four targets, but has seen up to seven targets in a game. That's a huge option. Like I continue to say, I follow the targets. I think he sees more work this week, especially since Green Bay gets up, and in a game that they're going to have to pass, Trey Burton's one of the first looks for Philip Rivers, so let's go. Jason... I found your lack in the Colts defense disturbing. I do, however, have a la- lack of faith in Trey Burton. Packers are in the top five for opposing tight end fantasy points, and I don't think the lower target share that we've seen recently from Burton is an anomaly. There are better tight end options under waiver, especially with Doyle and Mo Cox in the mix. Oh, would you look at that, friends? We didn't even have to wait until Sunday when the Colts get spanked by the Packers for those at Donald McJordan indie rage tweets to start coming in. Yep. Pretty funny. So we'll move into buzz. Eric Ebron. I can't do it. I mean, Claypool continues to get more targets, and I just don't understand why experts continue to believe that Ebron is going to produce. Ben is going to be able to move the ball, and he has great wide receivers. So why even use Ebron? He cannot catch the ball. He continues to struggle. He barely catches 50% of his passes. It's ugly. Granted, the Jaguars gave up 14.7 points to the tight end position, but that's going to go to Claypool. So I'm not trusting him. I think most of us at Unimportant Nonsense have written off Ebron long before the industry has. He, he is a dart throw every week, and I always say there's too many mouths to feed in Pittsburgh, and Ebron is on the lower rung for those targets. And the last guy is Rob Gronkowski. We've already brought it up. I mean, I know it's crazy. Brady struggles while Evans and AB are limited targets because of Ramsey. I'm not quite sure who Ramsey's really going to be on, but I really do think it's Evans. And Godwin is going to be the one who is getting a lot of the options. Gronk Barely missed out on a touchdown last week. And I just don't think he's effective. Aaron's also continues to use Brait in the passing game. Talk about annoying. In a great matchup. He won't even get the touches in because of the fact that, oh, wait, there's too many other options. So, nope, not for me. Sorry, Gronk. I think he's a safe option at tight end. He isn't really a weekly starter just because he is a little inconsistent. But he does have four touchdowns in his last five games. I would be okay with playing him just because of the state of the tight end position. And honestly, I feel more confident in Gronk than I do in Evans. Yeah, I feel confident that both Gronk and Evans will score in the ballpark of 6 to 14 points. And I feel the same way about Godwins and Antonio Brown as well falling in that range. But the funny thing is, for Gronk, that's super solid. For everyone else, that's terrible. And that's why Gronk is the only one on this offense I'm actually, like, kind of okay playing because he's a tight end. And, like, you you're want a floor at tight end, which I think he has. And so the off- Bucks offense, it's elite in real life, frustratingly low ceiling for all the fantasy p- football players. They just cannot reach what they once were with Jameis Winston under center. And it breaks my heart. And that's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you, Jason, for joining me once again. I really feel like you're trying to show off for Jordan. You've been so much less wild since he joined the show. And I'm loving riding that wave of success, even if you did bring up Caelan Blage way too often. So, Jason, do you have any parting words for all the fans out there that have been tuning in and hanging on your every word? 
Yeah, the Chargers are probably going to lose this weekend, which makes me really sad. But it's going to be a fun game, and Balazs is going to have a good game. It's going to be interesting, and I'm just ready for the weekend, some football. So let's get into it, and I hope you all have a safe weekend. And be sure to follow Jason at that FF nerd for all your start, sit, and waiver wire needs. And if you have any complaints about the show, make sure you hit him up there because he is our complaint department. But if you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review. And how could you not enjoy the show with the always lovely Jordan McDonald back once again to bless us with his knowledge. Jordan, do you have any parting words of wisdom to leave with all your adoring fans out there? Yeah, thank you everybody for listening and good luck in your fantasy matchups this week. I'm a little disappointed that the episode had to end on some Kalen Balage talk again, but you know, it's okay though because Jordan Howard has found a home again and he joins my underappreciated group of running backs. I also include Royce Freeman and Carryon Johnson. Ending the show with Kalen Balage and Jordan Howard is a bold way to go, but be sure to follow Jordan at Donald McJordan and be sure to follow along with the fantabulous work that all the important nonsensers are putting out on the daily on importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at NonsenseFF. Thank you all for joining me. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and it has been wonderful getting to preview the weekend lineup for you once again. I'll be back on Sunday for the Week 11 Recap Show, along with my co-host at The Real NWB, Nee Wallace-Bruce, and at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chansey. So until then, stay safe, wear a mask, good luck with all your matchups this weekend, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!